When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Monsters that should not exist are being sighted by everyday people like you and me. What might you see next if you step foot outside? Plus, you can expect some horror stories from Mexico in this episode, featuring sinister spirits and even more disturbing creatures. Welcome back to Unexplained Encounters. I'm your host, Darkness Prevails. And did you know I'm hosting a new show now too? It's called Tales from the Break Room. In it, I narrate scary stories all about the terrifying things that happen to people at work. So please follow and rate Tales from the Break Room on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and your favorite podcasting app to help us grow. Thank you. New episodes every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Central. However, if you have an unexplained encounter and you want me to narrate it on this show, send it to me at darkstories.org as always. Now, let's begin. The Tall Man from Anonymous I'm a 19-year-old college student. I live about 25 to 30 minutes out past any city limits or other houses. It takes me around 45 minutes to get to class every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I usually don't get home until late, like after 10 or 10.30 p.m. when I do have class. I live in a little cottage-style home with one other person. One night, I was awakened by a loud thud. When I first heard it, I thought it was my roommate, until I remembered I was supposed to be home alone that night. I grabbed my pocket knife that I kept by my bed and my phone. I tried to be as quiet as I could getting out of bed, but my house was old and it creaked a lot. I walked to the door as slow as possible, so I wouldn't be too loud. Once I got to the door and went to open it, I caught a glimpse of what looked to be another person. I thought it was my mind making shapes out of nothing, but when I realized it was actually there, I turned around and ran back to my room as quickly as I could. When I made it to my room, I locked the door and called the police as quickly as possible. It took the police around 45 minutes to an hour to get there. The operator stayed on the phone with me the whole time. While I waited, I began to hear a bone-chilling scream coming from my kitchen, followed by the loudest footsteps I've ever heard. It felt like forever, sitting in my bed, waiting for help to arrive. Finally, I saw the blue lights come by my window and four to five shadows outside. I opened the bedroom door and raced to the front door to open it. Once I opened the front door, I just fell into the officer's arms. The police looked around the area, searching for any trespassers. They told me they didn't find anything suspicious though, except a few weird looking prints around one of the windows and some mud prints inside. When the cops were done and they left, I left too. I went into town and I stayed at a friend's house for the night. The next morning, my dad, my roommate, and I went back to my place to check it out. Once we got there, I saw this weird-looking engraving on all the window seals. The engraving looked to be a smiley face that someone just carved in with a knife or something else just as sharp. Once we got to the prints I saw, it looked more like really big feet than shoe prints. The weird thing about it, though, was that they only seemed to have three toes, and they were double if not triple the size of my dad's foot, and he wore a size 13. I stayed with my parents for a few nights, just in case, 
once I was brave enough to go back to my house, I found more prints around my place, and there was a rotting carcass left on my front porch. The poor thing was an elk, and someone had carved a smiley face into it. My roommate and I put the house on the market that day, but I didn't know if it would sell because it needed a bit of work done to it. Around two weeks went by with no encounter to whatever this thing was. The house was soon to be sold to an older couple and their dog. The final night we stayed there, my roommate and I were all packed already, so we both came to the conclusion that we'd both sleep on an air mattress together that night, so we wouldn't have much of a mess to clean afterward. We slept in her room that night, which was closest to the front door and had a bench window in it. We fell asleep around 12am after watching a movie. At about 2.30am, my roommate woke me up. She asked in a whisper, Did you hear that noise? I didn't hear anything at the time, but a few seconds later, I did hear something. There was a very loud noise that sounded like nails on a chalkboard. Whatever was making the noise seemed to be right outside the window. My roommate got up to lock the bedroom door, but before she could, the front door creaked open. I started shaking really rapidly, and my roommate locked the door and called the cops. It was very quiet, and we were waiting for the police to arrive. We heard our intruder walking over to our door, a thud thud, thud, on the other side of the door on the old wood flooring. Once it got to the door, it began to scratch and scream at the door and walls. About 25 minutes later, it got in through the door, and we saw it before us. A tall, slim, pale figure appeared from the shadows. It was about seven or eight feet tall, with a huge smile on its face and long arms. They weren't just long, though, they were touching the floor. I gulped in and took a deep breath. I was ready for the worst. The thing began to walk to me and my roommate, but it was more of a slide than a walk. It seemed to be dragging its feet, but not too fast, so it was taking a while for it to get to us. Right when this thing was about five feet from me and my roommate, the blue lights of the police cruisers came flooding through the window. The thing turned really quick and ran out of the door, if you could call it running. It was inhumanly quick, not like a sprint, but also not like an animal running. It was faster. The police rushed inside to get us. They placed us in a car for safety while they checked the area. Once they scanned the area, they let us know that the footprints were back. Now there were also scratch marks on the doorframe and the ground. Words had been etched there. They read, Everyone needs to smile. We finally sold the house the following day. I heard nor saw nothing else about this thing. This was around five or six years ago, but I did have a nightmare not too long ago about it. I just can't seem to forget about these experiences. Something stared back from season. This isn't a particularly eventful story, but it is true and still gives me the creeps to this day. I've always loved the water, the ocean in particular. Even after some of the strange and creepy things I've encountered, it still holds a special place in my heart. When I was around 15, my mom and I took a cruise down through the Caribbean, stopping at all the well-known destinations along the coast of Mexico and some of the smaller Central American countries. Our last stop before heading back to port was a tiny island off the coast of Honduras. We had decided to book what was supposed to be a relaxing snorkeling excursion. Sure, it wasn't the most famous for underwater activities, but there are some absolutely gorgeous reefs in the area and I wanted to be a marine biologist at the time, so it was like heaven for me. We took a small ferry out from the main port to the island we would be spending the day on, 
and after lunch I was straight off to the water. I remember it was strange that day. It was beautiful out, sure, but there was almost no one else in that water. I think there was only one other person when I first got in, and I seem to remember noticing they'd left at some point while I was out, leaving the reef all to myself. Nonetheless, the water was like a dream. Not too hot, not too cold, tall shelves of reddish coral swarming with tropical fish. I don't know how long I spent just floating around, but it must have been hours. I at least know I came out looking like a freshly cooked lobster by the end. Anyway, I was floating on my stomach, facing directly below me, trying to identify any of the fish I could see, meaning I wasn't paying attention to where I was going. Suddenly, like someone had flipped a switch, the water got cold, and in the same instant, I found I had kicked my way over the drop-off point. The reef ended, and I could see the rocky outcrop sliding down, down into the nothingness below me. This may not seem scary to those who have not experienced it, or anything like it, but suddenly finding yourself suspended above a seemingly bottomless void it causes a kind of primal terror in you. I froze up, suddenly feeling incredibly small, out of place. The silence of the water in my ears was deafening. As I stared down into the abyss, I felt a strong sense of vertigo. And just as I was regaining my senses and the ability to move, I saw it. Something shifted in the murky darkness below me. Something big, impossibly big. The last thing I remember seeing was a massive eye opening up, looking directly at me. Then the next thing I knew, I was back on shore trying desperately to explain what had happened to my probably tipsy mom. When I got to the part about seeing something in the water below me, my voice caught. I could tell she was only half listening as it was and I didn't want to make myself sound crazy by reporting some giant sea creature only a few hundred feet out. I never told anyone that part of my story, and to this day, I still wonder what it was I could have seen. Maybe it was some whale or other large creature that had drifted closer than usual to the shore. I know it's a cliche, but I know it wasn't my mind playing tricks on me. Whatever it was, I was never able to bring myself to look over the deck of the ship at night, too scared I'd see something watching me from the darkness again. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Don't hunt alone in the Ozarks. From that dude second. Before we get into what happened, I'll give some background info. I grew up in the southern part of the Ozark Mountains, spending most of my free time working on the farm or hunting and trapping. Now, you occasionally see things or hear things you can't explain, but most things you can brush off as coyotes or even the stray mountain lion. 
At the time of the first encounter, I was 16. It was a chillier November evening, and I was out hunting on my family's farm north of Hector, Arkansas. The spot I was hunting had an old logging road running down into the ravine, with a small hill behind me and a cliff face to my right. So darkness started to fall, and I finally got a deer with my muzzle loader. Anyone who has ever shot a muzzle loader can verify nothing ever hangs around after you shoot it. I instantly pulled out my phone to let the guys know I got one, when my arm hair began to rise. The deepest growl or yell bellowed from behind me as I pressed send. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Whatever it was, it was on two legs, and it was coming closer, but there shouldn't have been anyone for another two hills. This creature began to sniff before growling again. Hastily, I reloaded the muzzle loader and shouted, This is my farm. Leave or I'll shoot. It growled this time at the base of my tree. Darkness had enveloped the entire block of woods now. I was trapped with a flip phone and a muzzle loader against something that I couldn't see. I could only hope the other guys were on the way. Then I felt the ladder bending slightly, as if it was testing its weight. I pointed my flip phone light down, and I saw two red eyes clearly. However, the lights from my family's side-by-side -side lit up the hill, and the creature ran down into the ravine as Levi and the others pulled up. After a few months, some weird things happened in the area before it finally went quiet. Less than a week later, one of the locals went missing along with his dog in the same area. To my knowledge, he still has not been located. For the next two years, I never hunted that area again. Please, never hunt alone in the Ozarks, because what you can't see is more terrifying than what you can. Navajo Horsewalker from Sea Philly 100. I used to regularly go on these caravans from Denver down to Black Mesa, which is on the Navajo Nation in Arizona. We spent time on both the Hopi and Navajo reservations, working on building projects and herding sheep. And I've got to say, herding sheep on horseback is a truly amazing experience. I was also truly fortunate enough to attend a rain dance on the Hopi side out there on 2nd Mesa. Everyone was up on the rooftops watching the Kachina dancers do their thing down in the center square below. I was one of the only white people there. There were these particularly tough-looking Hopi guys walking around, which my friend said were dealers. After that, we went to my friend's mom's house and had some super delicious Hopi food before heading back to the Navajo Nation. It was dark by the time we got back to the Hogan, so my buddy and I took a little nature walk to meditate. We'd walked about 100 yards out into the desert night when we heard what sounded like a horse galloping towards us. There are wild horses down there, but we didn't want to get trampled, so we headed back to camp. We heard some coyotes off in the distance, so we figured the coyotes had just spooked some random horse. Well, we had just gotten back to camp when we heard a horse whinny nearby. Once again, we thought it was just that same horse, so we crawled into the tent and fell asleep. The next morning, we could see horse tracks all around our tent. That's odd, I said. Must be a real hungry horse, my friend smirked. Hungry Horse is a town in Montana, so it was kind of an inside joke with us. That day was normal enough. We worked on repairing an old Hogan and listened to NPR on the car radio while trying to keep the biting flies at bay. That night was a full moon night. Our group got together to cook some dinner, after which we began to eat. As it turns out, this is a big no-no in Navajo culture, as you're supposed to put together a small spirit plate and leave it out in the bush for the spirits to eat before you. We actually got chewed out by the community mentor, which put a sort of damper on things. 
Anyway, we wrapped up our dinner and decided to take another little nature walk before turning in for the night. We'd only gone about 50 yards before we heard that galloping sound again. This time we thought it might be cool to stick around to see this horse in question. Maybe it was lost. Maybe we'd get to see its markings to help locate the owner. Just then, we heard a loud snorting sound coming from some nearby pinyon trees. We approached the pinyon cautiously before stopping dead in our tracks. In the moonlight, there we saw what looked to be a huge, bipedal horse stepping out from behind the pinyon and into the moonlight. No, this can't be right, I thought. I've seen horses spar on nature documentaries, and I know they can kind of go up on their hindquarters to box each other out for dominance. But this thing, it was literally walking on its back legs like a person. It cocked its head to the side, and it looked right at us, with what can only be described as a creepy smile. Something about the creature just seemed evil. Its eyes didn't look like a horse's at all. They were more like beady little buttons, shiny and black. The creature was at least ten feet tall, and the more we studied it, the more I could see that it really looked more like a person wearing a horse's head than an actual horse. But the legs were those of a horse, and I could even see a tail hanging down behind it. The torso looked more human, too, with a strong chest and arms with human hands on them. I couldn't tell if it was wearing a pelt or if its skin was natural, but it had Navajo-style tattoos covering the chest and torso. It also appeared to be wearing some kind of turquoise jewelry around its neck and wrists. It huffed again and began walking towards us. We freaked out and ran as fast as we could away, but I ended up tripping. I turned around to see this horse-like creature lunging at me, trying to grab me with its creepy little hands. I tried to kick it off of me when it opened its mouth and I could see what I can only describe as vampire fangs, which it tried to bite me with. I rolled to the side, and it snapped at the air. I threw some dirt in its face and sprinted back to my tent. What the heck, man? Why did you leave me? I asked my friend. It doesn't matter. We need to get the heck out of here. Now! We climbed into the truck, but the engine refused to turn over. In the headlights, we saw that thing stumble out in front of us, so we locked the doors. But it came right at us, ramming its head into the passenger side of the truck. We unlocked and opened the driver's side door, jumping out of the cab and running back to the tent, diving in, quickly zipping up the flap and hiding in our sleeping bags, like little kids afraid of the boogeyman. We heard that thing out there stomping around us, and we heard what sounded like chanting mixed with these strange, animalistic growling noises. Just then, we heard a gunshot, and then galloping off in the distance. We still refused to exit the tent, even then, and stayed awake for fear that the creature would return. I must have fallen asleep at some point out of sheer exhaustion, because when I woke up, it was morning. We got out of our tent, and a short time later, we were approached by our Navajo host. I won't say his name out of respect for the culture. He told us we had angered a native spirit who was trying to drive us away from the land, but he was able to scare it off with a bullet dipped in ashes. After that, we decided it would be best to cut our trip short. I don't know if this creature was a skinwalker or something else. We didn't want to pry or ask too many questions as it's very taboo to talk about these things in Navajo culture for fear of attracting their attention. But whatever it was, I hope I never see it again. Tree on the Hill From Anonymous When I was about 13 years old, my brothers and I would love to go into the woods in our backyard. We would play in our creek, stomping in the mud, and, you know, typical kid stuff. But one day, while I'd been jumping on our trampoline near the woods by myself, I decided I wanted to go into the creek. At the time, I didn't feel like going back to the house to get my brothers, 
so I literally just started walking into the woods alone. Once I got past the entrance to the woods, I saw a weird-looking tree. This tree was on a large mound of dirt and grass, so I had to climb up to it. As soon as I made it to the tree, I got this uneasy feeling. I felt that something had been watching me. I really don't have any idea why I did this, but I knocked on the tree three times. At first, I heard nothing in response. But after about ten seconds, I heard a faint sound. Honestly, it sounded like a goblin and a chicken combined. It kind of sounded like Gollum from Lord of the Rings, but it was clucking like a chicken. I really didn't get it, especially since it was coming from inside the tree. I kept knocking on the tree in this manner. Three knocks, then the noise would come. Then I heard scratching on the outside of the tree bark. This sounded like it was coming from the other side of the tree. I leaned to the side to peer at the back of the tree. All I saw was a hole that was so deep I couldn't see inside. I was so curious that I walked around the tree and just stared into the hole. My heart stopped when I heard the chicken goblin sounding thing growl at me. I still continued to stare into the hole, until a clawed hand reached out in my direction just inches from my face. Quickly, I stumbled down the hill, causing me to scrape my knee. I ignored it and ran up to my house. Quickly, I shut the door once I got back inside, and I peered out the window. I looked just in time to see this dog-like creature entering the woods once more. Whatever it was, it had followed me down. I don't think I could ever go in those woods again, mostly because I'd rather stay alive. The Wendigo of Alberta From Anonymous As a bit of background, I live in a small town in mid-eastern Alberta. My friends and I loved to go exploring when we were younger, around 13 to 14 but I can't remember exactly. What I do know is that it was in mid-January when we encountered this. I'd always go into the woods around my house with my friends, Greg and Jeff. One night while we were exploring down an old ATV trail near my house, which was now mostly used as a snowmobile trail, we were walking along trying not to slip on the ice. Around that time, I noticed something. The weather was beginning to get windy, and it was starting to snow. So we started discussing heading back to my house to play some video games instead. That's when we heard something behind us that sort of sounded like a low growl underlaid with a human scream. Whatever it was, it scared the living crap out of us. As we began to walk away, out of fear of whatever that was, we heard a branch snap. That triggered us into running. As we ran away, we began to hear really loud stomping sounds behind us as if something was following us. Before long, the weather had gotten so bad, we couldn't see more than five feet in any direction. We were now running half-blinded by the weather, but suddenly, the stomping sound stopped. Needing to catch our breaths, we slowed to a halt as well. When we were all stopped, we heard the growl again. This time, it was much louder and it was coming from in front of us. We stared in horror as this thing emerged in front of us, some sort of creature that stood nine to ten feet tall with a human-like body. Its limbs were a little too long and bony, though. It had clawed fingers and a head that resembled more of an elk. Maybe it was shock, but my first thought was that elk aren't exactly common out here, and as I was thinking that, I noticed the bone-like texture of its head. It was more like a skull. I wanted to scream and run, but I was frozen to the spot. The three of us all stood there, staring. The fear we felt was like a trance. I couldn't even move my eyes away from it. It was moving towards us, blocking the trail that led to the main road, and all we could do was either run the opposite way if our bodies allowed us, which would lead to a cabin or run through the woods to my house. Making a split decision and praying my body would listen, 
I took off through the thick Karagana bushes, a good 500 meters to my open yard, and my friends followed. We made it to my yard. The time was about 2 a.m., so no one else would be awake, and from there I wasn't sure if they'd hear us screaming at the front door to let us in. It didn't help that I'd told my parents that I was going to stay at Greg's house for the night. Luckily for us, I remembered the code for the door lock, or else we would have been screwed. Once we got in, we rushed inside and locked the door. I could then hear it running through the yard, then over to the living room bay window. I stood there, trying to look out the top of the window of the door, but also attempting to stay hidden. Suddenly, Jeff screamed from the living room. When I went to see what he was screeching about, he was looking out the window which overlooked the deck. He remained quiet after that. He stood there and silently pointed. When I followed his fingers, I saw that creature again. It was walking up the stairs to the deck. It went up them very awkwardly, as though it wasn't used to them. I wanted to scream then too, but before I could, I looked over at Jeff and noticed he was crying. That was odd. Jeff wasn't exactly the type of person who cried very often, or even when he was scared. But then I saw the cut on his shoulder. It was about three inches long and looked a bit deep. I was about to ask him when that happened, when that thing outside began to try to bust open the door, ramming into it with full force. We ran upstairs then where my room and my parents' room were. I rushed over to my dad, telling him about the thing outside. He grabbed his rifle from the gun cabinet, then rushed downstairs while loading it. When he got to the front door, he looked out the window, just as that thing rammed the door again. It was loudly growling, baring its long carnivorous yellow teeth. My dad stood back and told us to hide. We listened and watched my dad aim his gun at the door. Within about a minute though, the noises stopped. My dad then went outside, looking around. About 30 seconds later, he came back inside, locking the door. And that was the last I saw of that thing. Ever since, I've been horrified of the woods around that house. I'm 20 now and I've moved to Edmonton. I've not seen or heard of that creature again. But just in case, I never go back into the woods unarmed. But I still do enjoy the woods and hiking with friends. The Forever Mare From The Encounter this story starts when I was around the age of four. I was living in Mexico at the time in a small pueblo, in Chihuahua. It was composed of about 100 people. This pueblo is divided by a main road that led to two towns. That was the only paved road, too. The rest were dirt roads. My mother and I were living at my grandpa's house when these events began. The house was situated in a three-way intersection, there was a house that was on the other side of the intersection. This was my aunt's old house before she moved to the US. I had never entered that house. In all honesty, it looked like your average horror movie house. The windows were broken, most of the wood was rotten, and the clay from the walls had begun to fall off. I'd never really thought or paid much attention to it until one night. I was just beginning to fall asleep in my cold bed the only source of heat coming from a wood oven. I drifted off to sleep at last, and my dreams started off normal, but as it progressed, it took a strange turn. I was sitting on the top of my grandpa's house looking around, when I got an uneasy feeling deep in my gut, a feeling that I have only rarely felt. I kept looking around and something caught my eye. My aunt's house. There was someone, or at least something in it. I shifted my attention to the old, run-down house, and I was shocked. From broken window to broken window, there was a figure moving. As I blinked, I felt relief. Opening my eyes, I found myself then inside that house. There were tattered clothes over old furniture, a musky smell filling my nose, cobwebs everywhere. The environment outside changed, too. From a bright day to night... It felt humid. It felt humid, and there was thick fog outside the house with the moonlight peering in through the windows casting shadows all over. 
I began to get that uneasy feeling again, that I was being watched. But with so many shadows, I couldn't tell what was watching me. I began to wander around the house. A strong smell began to fill my nose, but I couldn't identify what it was. As my young mind kept me wandering around, I found the smell seemed new compared to everything else in the house. As I walked over the rug, it sounded to be hollow. So I lifted up the rug and to my surprise, there was a hatch underneath. My four-year-old muscles struggled to lift the large wooden hatch. After finally being able to open it, I laid down on the dusty floorboards, struggling to stand as my body ached. I leaned over the open hole in the floor that I had just opened. There was just an abyss, emptiness. I couldn't seem to look away though, I just kept on looking into it, until finally, yellow eyes appeared from the dark. Whatever it was, quickly snatched me into the hole, and just like that, I was awake. Now, I wish that's where everything stopped. Growing up, I would have that same nightmare randomly, but never when I was awake. When I was about eight years old, now living in the US, I went to spend the night with my cousins. They were both older than me and had never experienced anything supernatural. Their parents had left on a date night, so we had the whole house to ourselves. With that in mind, we decided to play hide and seek in the dark. Their living room has a clear view to the street, and to the only street light on the block. As we were just playing around, a light rain appeared out of nowhere. We didn't think much of it. This area was very bipolar with the weather. After about an hour, we had exhausted every hiding spot we could think of. We sat on the couch then, just staring out into the night. The rain kept steady, and we simply kept looking on when suddenly the night got darker, as the only light on the block just went off. We stared in awe. There was no lightning outside, which could have caused a power outage, plus the nightlight in my cousin's room was still on. All three of us kept looking out the window when I began getting that feeling, the one I'd only gotten in a dream, if one could even call it a dream at this point. I didn't tell my cousins, because of the fear of them calling me crazy and possibly making fun of me. I looked around the street when I saw those bright yellow eyes. I kept my eyes on those demonic eyes as I pointed them out to my cousins in hopes I wasn't going crazy. Both looked over. I never took my eyes off of those fiery orbs. I could feel those darned things looking right through me peering into my soul for what seemed like forever, until one of my cousins finally spoke. Hey, what is that? In fright, we all ran to the bedroom, locking the door behind us and turning the lights on. We've never spoken of that event again, but sadly, that wasn't the last time I would see those eyes. I was 12 years old, still having those nightmares, but they were getting less and less frequent. They were still very much there, and those eyes are still burnt into my mind. I'd stayed up way past my bedtime one night, playing Mario on my Game Boy that I'd gotten on my birthday, and eventually I decided it was finally time to go to bed. I crawled into my bed and pulled the covers over my body. I was having a hard time going to sleep. I tossed and turned until finally I found a comfortable position facing my room. I awoke some time later, suddenly. I looked around and realized I couldn't move. I began to sweat profusely, and I felt a heavy weight on my body as if I was being pushed down deeper into the bed. My eyes started darting around the room, searching for something to look at, until finally my eyes got caught on something. It was with me. It was on me. I could finally see a figure belonging to those eyes. It was dark, but I could still make out what seemed to be a human, but it was too big and out of proportion. Its small head sat on top of large shoulders, following that down to his arms which were small but not scrawny. It seemed as if there was only muscle with no skin over it. There was no feeling this time. It was just 
there. It felt so surreal, but I know that it was real. Then, I don't know how, but I figured I was finally able to go back to sleep. Waking up, I quickly looked around, jolting up to make sure I was no longer under sleep paralysis. I walked to the bathroom and washed up. Looking at myself in the mirror, I noticed bruises on my biceps. I hope that no one ever sees this thing. Because if you do, may whatever God you believe in help your soul. Because it will never leave you alone. Tall Lady From Chrome Skull This happened when I was in Mexico. My parents are from a little town of over 2,000 people. Over there, they have festivals almost all year round. When it's not in one block, it's on another. They all have like two weeks in between before the other one begins. I didn't know this, so one time I asked my cousins, how come we're not going to a festival? That's when they told me about the two-week period. One of our friends remembered that there was a festival going on at a little town nearby, but my cousins were against it because we were only teenagers back then and we needed to ride over there unless we wanted to walk over five acres and through a cemetery. Even so, we settled on going. By then, the sun was already setting, so we ran through the cemetery portion and we then started our hike through the acreage. We crossed a river and went up a hill, we came out on a dirt road, which leads you straight to town. But by the time we were walking on the road, it was pitch black out, except for the very faint light of the town we could see in the distance. We then made a deal amongst ourselves that we would not be allowed to scare each other, since the walk was already scary enough. Plus, the tall trees on either side of the road were not helping. As we continued walking, one of my friends said there was someone following us, we didn't look back to check. We simply told that friend to stop and to keep walking. But he kept on saying and insisting that there was someone following us, that she was following us. He went on to say that she wasn't even walking. She looked as if she was gliding over the ground. He started to make this noise you make when you start crying, but you're holding it back as best you can. This finally convinced us to turn around. Looking back, we all saw this lady in a white dress. She was following us, and she appeared to be gliding over the ground, just as he had said. We even saw her rise in the air, almost to the height of the trees. That's when we freaked out and began running, yelling, making a mad dash for civilization. Luckily, the town was not too far away. However, she was following us the entire way there. Once we stepped into the light of the town, we looked back, and she wasn't there anymore. We stayed in town, horrified, for the remaining of the festival. And once it was over, we made sure to get a ride back out. Gargoyle-like creatures From Anonymous This story is true, and was also witnessed by four of the most sincere and honest people I know my parents, and two older siblings. This happened in Mexico, specifically Rio Bravo, Tamaulipas. It was right next to the border with Texas. I was about five years old at the time. My older siblings were 11 and 9 years old. It was nighttime, and my dad had just arrived from work. We all headed outside. My dad brought along with him this huge searchlight. My mom said it was like the ones you see in superhero movies. It was so big that it took all the back of the truck. It was maybe four feet in diameter. My mom said we were all excited about it, so she asked my dad to turn it on so we could see how it looked. My dad agreed, but he said he would point it towards the sky as it could damage your sight. He did so, and it all looked so cool. You could see the light go extremely high into the sky. At the time, there were some low clouds, and you could see it reflect off of them. My dad was moving the light all over the place, just enjoying the sight. I honestly can't remember much of it. But then they saw them. 
They say they saw something that they swear is true to this very day. There were five creatures with massive wings resembling gargoyles. They said they were coming closer and closer. The closer they got, they could make out huge claws too on both hands and feet. These things were massive, maybe about 10 feet tall. Even though they were high up, they still looked big. They were gray or black in color and were doing some weird formations and shapes. They came as close as the clouds. Then after a while, they began to go higher until they eventually disappeared into the higher clouds. Those who remember say they were in disbelief, wondering how that even happened, how that was possible. My mom said they didn't feel threatened at the time, not even afraid, even though that was so surreal. My parents and siblings used to watch Gargoyles, the cartoons. That's how they were comparing them. What makes me believe this was 100% real is that my parents were never the kind of people who would make up such a story, and my two older siblings swear they saw it too. I've always wondered if those Gargoyle statues all over the world were made by people who once saw these things in real life. Encounter with the Unknown From Lionel 10 For most of my childhood, I grew up in the woods. My family had a farm in the middle of the woods in the state of Oaxaca, Mexico. Nighttime walks through the woods were common for my cousins and I, so as a kid, I was never really scared of the woods. Eventually, I moved away from that farm and moved to the United States, which is where I was born. It wasn't until years later when I was 15 that I went back to visit. One particular night when I was back for a visit, I was asleep. I woke up at some point to a very uneasy feeling. I noticed then that everything had gone completely silent. Not a single bug could be heard. Being the inquisitive kind of person I was, I went outside to investigate. I thought I might encounter a coyote or something small, but the moment I stepped outside, that uneasy feeling turned into confusion and even fear for what seemed like no reason at all. The entire time I felt like I was being watched. I scanned the tree line, hoping to see something, but at the same time I was wishing I didn't see anything at all. Then I saw it. In the tree line on the left side of the farm stood a shadowy figure. It was tall and skinny. It had these very thin, horn-like things coming out of its head, and its eyes were piercing red. It looked at me through the tree line, and I was too terrified to move. We stared at one another, until, eventually, it let out a howl almost like a wolf, but far deeper, followed by a few grunts. But then it turned around and disappeared into the woods leaving me even more scared and confused than before. Watching Me in the Dark From Gus I'd like to start by saying I'm not religious, but I have experienced things that I can't explain and can only come to the conclusion of the supernatural. This story takes place when I was in my junior year of high school. I'm 21 now. It was almost Christmas, and my parents asked me if I'd like to visit Mexico this year and spend Christmas over there. Of course, I said yes. So off I went for two weeks. I went with my cousin's family by car, and we got there about three days later. We were visiting distant family. When we made it, we hugged and they cried after finally seeing me after such a long time. It was great. Around four days later at night, we were all outside telling scary stories, and I'll be honest, it did creep me out a bit, but I tried not to show it. When it came time for bed, I was kind of nervous because out there it was super dark at night, especially because this is a village near the mountaintops. It's pretty poor there. They do have some streetlights, but they're not that bright. My grandmother was sleeping next to me in a different bed, and my cousins and their parents were in the next room with no door. Around 2 a.m. or 3 a.m., I woke up. 
I felt cold. When I looked down at my feet, my covers were at my knees, so I got up to get them, but then I looked up a little, and at the end of the bed was a shadow darker than the rest of the room, and it was easily seven feet tall. Now, I'm not trying to act cool, but I wasn't scared at that moment. I didn't move, though. I was just staring it down. When I moved a little bit, it started to sink into the ground. It was so fast I didn't know what to do, so I closed my eyes. Eventually, I fell back to sleep somehow. The next day, I kept quiet, and I didn't tell anyone about it. Thinking back to this experience, what scares me isn't the shadow being itself. Rather, just how long it was there for. What was it doing before I woke up? And more importantly, why? Why me? It was all so weird. Alien Encounter, 1989 From Art in the summer of 1989, my father worked for Mexican Airlines in Mexico City. We lived about an hour away from the main city. When he arrived home at 3am, he would usually have a beer to wind down. He owned some land down the hill, and one night he saw these bright lights down on his property. He was thinking it could have been city construction workers. So he went to tell them they were not allowed to build on his land and he did have the proper documentation to back it up, but he didn't know what he was getting himself into. He suddenly realized there was a parked saucer-looking craft, and the light was emanating from inside this saucer. There was a door open with a ramp down. He then saw three beings, what they would call greys. Each of them was four feet tall with long arms, big heads, and almond-shaped eyes. Their hands had three fingers, and they were wearing tight black suits that looked like scuba diving gear. They were hiding from my father, just off in the bushes, peeking out. My dad hid from them too, and he was in shock. He then proceeded to run back to the house. He said in his opinion, the greys appeared to be there to charge up their ship. After all, he had seen a wire coming out from the side of the ship, plugging itself into the transformer box in the street. Soon after that, there was a blackout, and they got back in the ship and left. My father went back down the hill the next day, finding weird hieroglyphs and markings on a metallic pole. My father then proceeded to ignore this encounter, knowing no one would believe him. He continued on with his daily life, coming to an agreement to keep this encounter to himself. A month later, he was in bed, and he said the only thing he could move was his eyes. That's when he saw three greys next to his bed, watching his entire family. But these greys were different. There were two normal-sized ones and a six-foot-tall one. They seemed to be floating and wearing lab coats. They left and his ears were left ringing. These beings had phased out any line, if that makes sense. After that, we've had back-to-back -back encounters. I didn't believe his story until I had my own encounter with the grey in my room, staring right down at me. They never told me anything or my father. They would just inspect us. I think they were reading our minds. Warning. The following story contains depictions of animal violence and harm. The Creature of Mexico from Lewis. I was originally born and raised in Guanajuato, Mexico, in between two cities more than two hours away in both directions. It's a one-hour ride down and horseback to the road, where we waited for our ride to town whenever we did decide to go out for food or supplies or candles. Keep in mind, there was no power or electricity where we lived, in the cerro, which means mountain ground. We would simply tie up our horses by the road and wait for the ride. With that being said, things began to happen to my grandfather's animals. One morning, I saw that he was extremely angry. I didn't really know why until I saw that one of his horses had three big gashes on its back. It had been attacked. 
Before this happened, we had three dogs, one female and two males, two of which were crossbreeds between German Shepherd and something else. Anyway, two weeks before the horse attack, one of the male dogs was killed. Its head was chewed up real bad by something. And the other two, well, I know it's weird, I'm no animal guru, but I could see fear in them. I mean, they were used to getting in fights with coyotes around here. They were no strangers to fights and other animals. We lived by an arroyo, which means stream, and one night my grandpa heard the horse that was attacked making noises, like it had seen something. Keep in mind the horses would always be tied up, so they wouldn't run off. My grandpa went outside to investigate, and would later say this to my father. Whatever it was was skinny, big, half the size of the horse itself. It either had no skin, or the strangest skin I've ever seen and had a long snout, like a dog's, with pointy ears. Its legs were big and long, same as its arms, and it really stank. Grandpa said he took three shots at it with a 22mm gun. The creature then ran out into the cerro. My grandpa believes he hit it the first time, but missed the other two shots. He admitted that that night when he tried to go to sleep, he couldn't sleep and he later heard what sounded like a howl the next night. And after that, he said he couldn't sleep right for two weeks straight. At that point, he preferred sleeping during the day instead of at night. Eventually, he went over to a relative's house, borrowing a hunting rifle. Time passed by, and he heard from a neighbor that lived three miles away that one night while looking for his lost sheep, he encountered something with the same features described by my grandfather before. The neighbor was chased by the creature, but luckily the man was on horseback and he didn't get caught. They to this day sleep with loaded guns at night. However, animals keep turning up missing and some dogs turn up dead. And sadly, no one has yet to report killing whatever this thing is. The Fireball in the Sky From Nero Angelo I was 13 years old when this happened. I was in Mexico with my parents visiting some relatives. The day was normal at first. Just like every other day, I was spending time with family and just enjoying Mexico. That night we went to church, because the church would give candy and drinks to anyone who came. Then, when it was over, we got into my father's truck, and we started the short drive to my relative's home where we were staying. But when we stopped at the driveway, I saw my family beginning to point at the sky. They were saying, Bruja, which means witch. They then ran into the house, but me being curious, I looked up. I wanted to know what they were looking at. What I saw that night was a fireball against a dark sky. It was bright, and it was moving away from me. Amazed and a bit unsettled, I turned and went inside with my family. For those who don't know, a bruja is a Mexican witch who can turn into a fireball. They say that if you stare at it for long enough, it'll look like it's getting farther away. But the thing is, it's actually getting closer. Luckily, I never saw it again during the rest of my stay in Mexico. Taxi Driver's Nahual Story From Future Corpse I recently went to Mexico as a vacation trip and left with souvenirs and a story. It is not my own story, but one from a taxi driver we drove with. The story begins with the taxi driver out late at night taking a night walk. He was relaxed and calm but noticed a weird, rotten smell. He glanced around and saw this weird-looking cat. He thinks nothing more of it because there's a lot of strays in Mexico. That is, until he notices something. The cat has shiny fur. The texture was more like human hair than that of a cat. This cat appeared to be malnourished and thin and had dark yellow eyes. It had no tail, which is one of the ways you can tell if an animal is a Nahual or not. A Nahual is a human being said to have the power to shapeshift into an animal. The cat stared back at the taxi driver. Mind you, he's a 5'11 guy, and this cat on all fours was as tall as his waist. 
He then watches this cat stand up and run away like a human. The following day, he goes to get blessed, and the person who was blessing him told him, You're very lucky. Nahuales don't usually leave humans alone and tend to mess with them before ultimately killing them. For the next couple of weeks, the taxi driver would see human-looking animals, or they would have no tail. As I understand it, Nahuales and skinwalkers can vary in look. More experienced Nahuales and skinwalkers can look more animalistic or human-like, and vice versa. Sometimes he would hear distorted animal screams that were often coyote screams. I'm sorry if the story was either lackluster or boring, but you don't have to believe me. These are the words of our taxi driver. With that, we're at the end of this week's episode of Unexplained Encounters. Don't worry, I'll be back soon with more scary stories for you to enjoy. If you don't like to wait, subscribe to Darkness Prevails on YouTube to catch new stories sooner. If you want to hear me read your story, send it to me at darkstories.org. Before I go, help us spread the word and reach new listeners. Just share this podcast with your friends and family, follow us on Spotify, and or review us on iTunes. Thank you. Until next time, everyone, remember, this world is a strange one, so stay safe out there and stay creepy.